Welcome to Skills for Life, a podcast about high-demand jobs that are shaping future opportunities. This show is brought to you by the North Shore Schools Foundation. I'm Kira Dorian, your host and a North Shore mom. Let's get started. Well, today on the show, I'm speaking with Steve McCarran. He is a morning live desk anchor and reporter at Como News. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you so much. It's so fun to be with you this morning. I'm so excited to speak with you. This is an industry we have not talked about at all on the show. And I think it's one that I know you were saying, like, we need people coming into the industry. And I think a lot of students are interested in journalism and reporting and the news. So I'm excited that we get to have this conversation today. I'm excited, too. It's a vitally important industry. And I think as many people as we can get into it, the better. Yeah. Can we actually start there? I don't usually ask this question, but let's talk about why this is an important job. I think everybody is always looking for information. And whether you get it from a traditional TV newscast, you get it from the radio, you get it on social media, which especially if you're part of the younger generation, that's primarily how you get your news today. This industry is important to let you know about the news events of the day, how they affect people, hold people accountable, especially if you're you know, talking about elected officials and just documenting history, documenting things that impact all of us and to do so in a responsible way and truthful way uh, with the facts that we know them right now. I mean, you work with predominantly local news. So what do you think is the difference then between working at that more national level when we think of, you know, MSNBC or Fox News versus local news and, and what the importance is of that? I think we can get down to a neighborhood level, right? So when we're talking about stories uh, or present stories in a newscast, whatever the form might be, we can get to that level that can, you know, sort of describe how these news events, how things impact your neighbors. You know, and that's something that not necessarily the national broadcast can do. They can do it on a more widespread level. And we're more on that local level, able to sort of delve into some of those issues that might be different from different parts of the country or what they're experiencing there. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what you do as both an anchor and a reporter, because you do predominantly anchoring now, but I know you also still report. So tell us a little bit about that. It's a little half and half at the moment. So I start my shifts every morning by covering our live desk and sort of think of that as our breaking news desk during our morning show. So I'm the guy that's sort of breaking in during our newscast with things that are just developing or things that have broken from the time we went off the air the night before at 11.35 p.m. until we the time we go on the air at 4.30 a.m. each morning. And I'm kind of that guy looking at some of those main events that have happened overnight. I cover everything from national to international to local stories. And it could be car crashes. It could be fires. It could be watching the stock market and sort of how that's being impacted by inflation news. It could be U.S. capital stuff that's happening. You know, we're just talking about uh, a new Congress forming in the last week or so. A wide range of things. And I'm kind of that guy that breaks in with things that are developing or breaking as the morning goes on. Second half of my shift is more reporting. So basically, when we get off the air at 7 a.m., I'm producing a story that can air during our late afternoon or early evening newscasts. And the topics of those can vary. It can either be something that is happening news of the day or something that's maybe a little bit less timely where I'm interviewing somebody who's done a study or some type of health issue, that sort of thing. So it's kind of a both of anchoring half of my day and then reporting the other half of my day. Wow. And you said the second part of your shift starts at 7 a.m. So what time? What time does the first part of your shift start? I usually get in at 2.30 in the morning every day. 
Yeah. And that's common in news, though, right? To have kind of really bizarre hours. Yes. <laughs> it's early. So I go to bed at like five or six in the evening and get up at about 1.30 in the morning. But yeah, I'm done by 11 a.m. So by the time a lot of people are just starting their day, their work day, I'm saying see ya and heading home for the day. Wow. Okay, so tell me a little bit about how you got here. You know, what did your career path look like? I'll share a story from how I got interested in the industry first, which was back in fifth grade. I had a couple of news anchors from a different channel here in the market that came to my elementary school to sort of talk about the industry, what they liked about it, what their day was like, that sort of thing. And ever since I got super interested in television news, all of my projects during school were like pseudo newscasts. And I ended up going to Washington State University over in Pullman, go Cougs, went there for four years, did a brief internship in Spokane. And when I started the internship, I started sending out resume tapes and they were actually on VHS tapes back in that day. This was about 20 years ago and ended up getting a job. So uh, I said goodbye to the internship early because I could actually get a, a paying job. Went to Yakima for three years and then I followed a friend down to Fresno. I was there for five years working at a CBS station down there. Came up to Portland and worked at the Fox station there for two years. And then I arrived at Como back in 2014 and have been here ever since. Wow. And my understanding is that as someone in news, you're working your way up the markets. Is that right? Like from smaller news markets to to bigger ones and Seattle's like top something, right? Top <laughs> that's, that's 12, the official. I think we've <laughs> fluctuated from like 11 to 13 recently, but yeah, top 12 generally markets. So it's one of the bigger markets in the country. And that's kind of traditionally the pathway is to, to start on one of those smaller markets to kind of learn the ropes, so to speak, and then work your way up. But, you know, over my career, that's kind of evolved. So, you know, you can have students who will graduate from college and then they'll automatically go into a medium-sized market. It's rare, but sometimes, you know, those college students who have just graduated can get in a top market too. It's just kind of how our industry has evolved over the last 20-ish years, probably I would I would even say 10 years. Let's talk about that for a second. I mean, how do you see the industry changing and evolving? I know there's a lot that's been swirling lately, particularly because of everything that people in the news have had to deal with over the past few years. I know you can't, you know, there's no crystal ball, but what do you think it's going to look like in the coming years as our students come out into the workplace? You know, that's the big crystal ball question, right? If you were to ask me the same question when I first started in this industry, um, I would probably have the same answer in that I don't know. In the 20 or so years that I've been in the industry, we've had introductions of social media, which drastically has changed the game for us. You know, no longer are we thinking about the traditional newscast at 5, 6, 11 p.m. at night. Those are still important, but when you're dealing with a 24-7 news cycle, and people have a device in their hands, aka their cell phones, that they're constantly checking, constantly looking at social media. As stories develop throughout the day, we need to keep up with that. And we need to give those updates, that information out as quickly as we can. So how do I think it's going to evolve? I think it will evolve in in other ways that we don't know, right? Cell phones have have changed things drastically. And, you know, you have newscasts or, or stations that are looking at different ways of trying to get information to people. So whether it's through your traditional social media methods like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram updates, TikTok, 
um, as a recent development in the last couple of years. Uh, newscasts or news stations that are looking at doing podcasts to try to reach a different audience. Particularly with us at Como, we tend to have an older audience that watches us on television. So I think for us, we're trying to think of different ways to sort of reach a younger audience, whether that be through social media, whether that be through podcasts, whether that be through some other avenue that maybe we haven't even thought of yet. And I think that's going to continue. You talked about, you know, the emphasis on finding credible sources, which has been a big topic of conversation, especially the last couple of years. I think we still provide a very important service locally to our community. In that there has been, you know, you think about the pandemic two years ago when we knew nothing about this virus that was sweeping the globe and people were looking for information on what it was, precautions that they should take, what was the science behind it, that sort of thing. And we were very important during that process and still continue to be sort of sifting through that information, going to experts about what this pandemic is. Why are we, you know, asking people to put a mask over their face, um, trying to figure out the science behind a vaccine? Viewers came to us for answers uh, about something that we knew nothing about when initially arrived in the U.S. So that, I think, is an example of why we provide such an important service to people. And you think about all of the disinformation that's out there that people post on social media. Well, we're one of those sources where you can come to to get information that's been verified. It's sourced with experts. It's us asking the questions. It's us holding people accountable. So I think that's going to continue to evolve in in ways that maybe we don't even know right now, which is kind of a scary thought, but it's it's how the world works with the industry. So tell me a little bit about if students are interested in pursuing this, what would the college track look like? What should they be studying in school? What classes maybe should they even be taking right now? What can they be doing right now while they're still in high school? And then if they're not interested in pursuing higher education, what does that path look like? I think for the the higher education, and I can only speak for folks who are looking to be on air, so reporters or anchors, that sort of thing, maybe producers too. Um, they're not on air, but sort of the same career path. Traditionally, I think what you're looking at is a, you know, a four-year college degree. Uh, a lot of stations, particularly if you're looking to be on air, won't even hire you if you don't have that. So for me, when I was in elementary school, junior high, high school, that sort of thing, what I would do is, is if there's any sort of like media programs, like we used to have morning announcements that I think a lot of schools still have, I got involved in that because it gave me experience of talking in front of a camera. What I would do is I would try to reach out to some professionals myself included, to sort of start that relationship of what the industry is like, maybe doing a job shadow to see behind the scenes, is it something that you even think you would be interested in or following them on a on a story if you're able to do that. You know, if you're beginning the college search, there's, you know, a lot of great colleges out there. I think some are, are a little more well-known in terms of the broadcast news path than others. I would plug Wazoo, of course, because it's a great one locally, but there's a lot of them out there. Uh, USC has a great program. Missouri has a great program. Northwestern has a great program. Syracuse. You know, as you're looking at some of these colleges that have these career paths, actually go out and see what their programs are like. What can they provide you? The thing I liked about Wazoo is we had an opportunity to do a newscast every single day. And halfway through the semester, those newscasts would be live. So not only did you have a chance to put a newscast together, go out and actually shoot stories and edit them yourself and gain that experience at the college level, but then you also had an opportunity to do that 
during a live newscast and you're getting that experience as you know an 18 19 year old at that time so you know if there's anything that you can get yourself involved with at the junior high or high school level that's that's somewhat similar think about putting on morning announcements maybe you have a media class where you're learning how to edit on a computer edit video and, and audio together maybe you can do a job shadow at a radio station just anything that sort of gives you that experience of presentation where you can talk in front of people or talk in front of a camera, talk in front of a microphone, because it's a little bit different than just sitting next to somebody having a conversation. If you're not looking at doing a college degree, that sort of thing, if you're looking to be on air, I would say that's probably a little more difficult. You know, we have some photographers here that have started within the past year that have no news experience before, which is something that I had never seen up until the last year or two. You know, they have experience shooting film or some other visual projects, but they've never had news experience. And that's kind of a different beast, but they're quick learners. So, you know, they can learn how to edit news stories on very tight timelines, which we deal with all the time, or they can learn how to shoot a news story, which is a little bit differently than what you might experience on a movie set or something along those lines. So, you know, if you're not looking to be on air, I think it's probably a little bit easier not to go the college track. But if you're looking for something that's on air, I would say probably the vast majority of stations won't even look at your resume reel unless you have some college experience. That's really helpful. And are there administrators? So if you kind of want to be in the buzz of the news field, are there people that have those kinds of, you know, administrative support jobs? You know, we have folks that work on our assignment desk, which is kind of the area of the newsroom where we take phone calls. We're looking over social media feeds. We're listening to police scanners and reaching out to officials about news that might be happening, that sort of thing. We have producers who help sort of put together the newscasts, pick which stories are going to go in a newscast, which order they go in, how they're going to be presented, graphics, that sort of thing engineers. We have a great engineering team that helps keep us on the air um, with all the behind the scenes stuff. Folks that work in broadcast production. So either they're directing or they're doing audio, they're running the teleprompter. Some stations have camera operators, although I think when you're in a bigger market, that's not a job that is necessarily around too much anymore because of automation. But there's a lot of things, you know, if you're not looking to be on air, if you're not looking to be a photographer, there are so many other aspects of this industry that you could look into that might be of interest to you. And they're really interesting jobs too. That's great. I love it. Okay, so I would love you to tell us just a little bit, a little summary of why you love your job. Maybe, do you still love your job? <laughs> I love my job, and I wouldn't be in it if I didn't love it. And I would I would say that the, the thing that I love most about my job, I am always meeting somebody new every single day or interacting with somebody new every single day. And every day is different. So when I step in the newsroom at 3 in the clock in the morning, I don't know what my day is going to look like for the next eight hours. I don't know how it's going to evolve, but I'm sort of there for the ride. And I sort of look at my job as I'm helping to record history. Now it's local history, but I'm helping to record that. So as news events affect our community, as news events affect our region, I am helping to document that and help people make sense of it and figure out how it's affecting people and 
holding people accountable for the decisions that they make for those that are in power. And I leave at the end of my day having learned something new every single day, which is something that not a lot of jobs can say, right? You're not always learning something new, but I can say that. How amazing is that, right? That's so cool. I love that. I love that. If you could look at your 18-year-old self and give him just a little piece of advice, something you wish our students to know, what would it be? I think I would say, don't be afraid to be yourself. When I first got into this industry, and I think, you know, a lot of people do when they're looking to get into TV news, they will look at people on television and try to emulate them, right? But but what makes each of us unique that get into this industry is, is sort of what we bring to the table. I think personally for me, since I'm part of the LGBTQ community, is for the longest time when I started my career up until I arrived in Portland back in 2012, I was afraid to share that aspect of my life with the audience. Now, granted, we've evolved uh, over the past 20 years, but I've gotten a lot more comfortable making a comment of my husband and I did this, Mm. whatever, on air. And I think for the longest time, I was afraid to share that aspect of my life, essentially being myself or being my full self on TV. Because the viewers, I think, can pick up on that if you're not being yourself. Don't try to emulate somebody else. Be yourself because I think that helps us all in the end. I love that. What wonderful advice. Thank you. I'm wondering if you could speak to our students and help them understand how they can discern between fake news and real news, because this generation is really the first to have to grapple with that. You know, and we're all grappling with it, but it's a whole new world out there. And I'm wondering, is there a tool that you would suggest or a way to look at something that they come across on social media, as an example, or Twitter, to be able to help them discern between what's fake and what's real? First, I think you have to go to reputable sources that are out there, whether it's television stations like mine, national level, ABC, CNN, MSNBC, you know, that sort of thing, newspapers, that sort of thing. First is you have to check the source. And as you're looking at things that might be posted on social media, I think we have a pretty good sense of something that might seem a little bit off. And if it does to you, go check it, go check it with some other source that you that you trust, cross check it, that sort of thing. You know, as you mentioned, there is so much disinformation out there and trying to sort through it is extremely difficult. But I think if you kind of get back to the basics of I'm going to go to sources that I trust, I'm going to go to reputable sources out there that do the work for you, local affiliates, your national networks, popular newspapers like the Seattle Times or New York Times, Washington Post, whatever that may be, go to that reputable source, I think is going to be a good start for you. You always have to have that filter up of is something that I'm seeing on social media? Is it is it real? Is it can I trust this information? And I think in this day and age, it is so important to kind of just get back to the basics of checking those sources that you trust first. And that's a good place to start. Awesome. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. I feel like you shared so much fantastic information about the field itself and how our students could get into it and what the realities of it look like. I really so appreciate your time and your knowledge that you shared today. Yeah, it's a fascinating industry, and I would love for more people to uh, get interested in it. It's fun. If people want to reach out to you, what are your handles on various places? (laughs) (laughs) On Twitter, I am at Steve TV News. 
Um, on Facebook, I'm at Steve McCarron Como. My last name is M-C-C-A-R-R-O-N. Instagram, same handle as Facebook, at Steve McCarron Como. And then I'm also on TikTok too, which I can't remember what my handle is on that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I don't use that one as often, but tried to. No, no big TikTok dances for Como? I will absolutely not be doing any dances for Como, no. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Steve. Really appreciate you. Thank you. We hope you'll join us again and remember to hit subscribe to be notified about upcoming episodes. Join the conversation on our Facebook page, Build Skills for Life. That's Build Skills, the number four, and then the word life. Are you interested in advertising as a sponsor for this podcast? Contact us at podcast at nsdfoundation.org. To learn more about the North Shore Schools Foundation, visit us at northshoreschoolsfoundation.org. Thanks for listening.